0: To dissect every trailer, plot twist, and game released for the geekiest of fans. The Mothership. Saving the universe from bad comic book adaptations every Friday.
1: All aboard the Mothership, the geek culture podcast from USA Today Network. Thank you so much for joining us. Happy Friday, everyone. Let's meet the crew. I'm Brian Truett. I watch movies, and what's getting me through this week in quarantine is the comic book, Something is Killing the Children. Go read it.
2: Um, I'm Kelly Lawler. I watch television, and what's getting me through the week in quarantine is my Firefly coloring book for adults. It's definitely for adults.
1: We have a special guest this week, Mike Ryan from Uprocks Entertainment. Mike, what's getting you through this week? I bought what I thought was, like, a couple boxes of this, but an
0: entire case of uh, Mike and Ike's showed up. And uh, (laughs) I've I've been eating some Mike and Ike's while watching movies. Last night I watched Amadeus.
2: Oh, I love that movie.
0: Yeah, it's a good movie. I'd never really seen it. I'd seen parts of it, but, like, never just sat down and watched all three hours of it. It's very good.
1: If this is your first time listening to us, welcome. New episodes of The Mothership drop every Friday, and you can subscribe for free on Apple Podcasts or wherever else you like to listen. And hey, while you're on Apple Podcasts, wouldn't it be swell if you could write a quick review about the show? By doing that, you'll be helping other fans who love nerdy pop culture find us. And as a thank you, we'll give you a very special shout-out on our next episode, or we might even have Mike back if you really like him, which hopefully (laughs) you do because he's our favorite guest. So try it out. Tell us what you want to see from the show moving forward. It's all upside for you. Don't forget, along with leaving a review, you can also get in touch with us on Twitter or at Mothership Pod, or you can send an email to mothershippod at com. Now, on to the main topic. Here's a clip Luke Skywalker and Han Solo rescued the princess, destroyed the Death Star, but their story didn't end there.
0: Now, the creators of the biggest smash hit of all time bring you the next episode in the Star Wars saga, The Empire Strikes Back. The continuing story of our band of heroes.
1: It's an epic of romance. Of heroes and villains. That was a clip from, you probably guessed it, The Empire Strikes Back, or as you might like to call it, Star Wars Episode Five the second Star Wars installment that's celebrating 40 years this week. So happy birthday to Empire Strikes Back. We have a special guest on today, Mike Ryan, senior entertainment writer at UpRocks, and is a Star Wars fan who has maybe one of the cooler Star Wars collections I've seen. Uh, But we're going to talk all about our favorite moments, quotes, and everything else about this great Star Wars movie. How's it going, Mike? How's your quarantine coming? Oh, it's awful. (laughs) <laughs> I'm not happy at all. But anyway, how are you? Good. Well, I can. You can't see it because. Well, you you the listener can't see it because um this is an audio only podcast. But we like,
2: mentioned that a couple times, right, over the course of the
1: show. <laughs> In, In case Mike, you're looking for the video <laughs> version out there, and you've been searching for it for years and can't find it, this is 100 percent proof there's no video. <laughs> yeah. None but he has a great you can't see it I wish you could he has a great like star wars wall of stuff like behind it we're on a zoom so he's he's got like so much kind of cool star wars stuff it's not a wall it's pretty much a it's wall. A, almost a wall
0: yeah it, it 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 keeps going either 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 direction so anyway
2: if i wasn't trapped in like this corner of my apartment with like a zoom acceptable backdrop although you can see a lot of seltzer um, I could show you the two Star Wars Legos that my husband has created in quarantine. That I thought would take him a long time, and took him a total of four days. A stormtrooper helmet and a Tie Fighter pilot helmet. The Tie Fighter is my favorite because it's got the, um, like the tubes, like in Lego. It's fun.
0: I I made a, a, a Dom's Charger from Fast and Furious Lego.
1: That thing was that, hard. I made I made one of those too. That thing had so many little pieces on it. A Dom's charger, it was just like a million
0: that's a title of a book. I don't want to say that. But it is like a million little pieces. Stop <laughs> <I laughs> myself. But it is. It is like one of the most frustrating things I've ever tried to build Lego-wise. And you know, my life is hard when it's like, that's one of the most frustrating things I've ever done is build Dom's Lego. <laughs> right yeah. below being
1: in my apartment for two months straight. <laughs> So we're here to talk about Empire Strikes Back, which is celebrating its 40, 40th anniversary this year. And it's and it's weird because, like, that was the first Star Wars film I saw in the theater. I didn't even see, like, the, I don't think I saw I saw the first one before I saw the second one in the theater. And it wasn't even, like, 80 when I saw it. I think I saw it in, like, a re-release in 81 or something. Uh, Mike, give us your review of Empire Strikes Back. Just your overall broad review.
0: It's my favorite movie of all time.
1: Why? Why is it your favorite? <laughs> movie <of all> time? <laughs> um,
0: well, you know, it's funny because I think people think I'm obsessed with Star Wars, which um, I get it with what you're looking at in the background. But um, I'm, I'm, I'm not as much as people think. I'm just really obsessed with The Empire Strikes Back. I just think it is um, it's nothing like the other movies, and there's a million reasons why. And it's not even that it's I don't even think it's like, oh, it's darker. Everyone says that. But, I, I, you know, it's still a Star Wars movie. It's still hilarious. Um, It's just it's like they made a Star Wars movie and actually made a real movie one time. And, you know, Last Jedi is, is up there, too, as opposed as, you know, a real movie. But I remember I'm like you. I saw The Empire Strikes Back first. It was the first movie I ever saw in a movie theater. And uh, I had not seen Star Wars. I saw that in the 81 re-release. And uh, I don't know, it just always stuck with me. I'm just like, I just thought every movie would be like The Empire Strikes Back. The second movie I ever saw in a movie theater, I used to say it was Ordinary People, but I looked it up, it was Every Which Way You Can. The, um, <laughs> uh, the, the sequel to Every Which Way But Loose, the Clint Eastwood movie. And then uh, the third movie I ever saw in a theater was Ordinary People, which my mom took me to like in the middle of the day. Uh, just me and her. And, and and for both of those, I'm like, oh, movies, like The Empire Strikes Back, it's going to be awesome. And and um, Ordinary People's like still going. It like, is the longest movie I, <laughs> I've ever sat through in my life. And I'm sure it's great. I've, I've never rewatched it since. Uh, but I just remember it being like eight hours long, and it did not have space.
2: <laughs> I can't remember what the first movie I saw in the theater was. But I do remember that near the end of Titanic's long run in the theaters, my parents relented and took me to see it because everyone else had. And like, I forget, what was it, 1997? Eight? I yeah. was like, yeah, yeah, I was like six or seven years old and they relented. And I just remember them leaping on top of my face to cover up the nudity, to cover up my eyes so that I wouldn't see the nudity. I was far more scarred by the children who drowned, but, you know, I didn't see the nudity, so it was great.
0: <laughs> I think these, both of those movies are good life lessons. Like Empire Strikes Back. It's like the first, first movie. It's like, no, 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 the bad guys win. And you know, that's been our mm-hmm. lives lately. And it got, it prepared me for now. Wow. Yeah.
2: I've never thought about Empire that way because I've never thought about seeing it without knowing that Return of the Jedi was coming.
0: For three years, I was just like, yeah, I guess, uh, I guess Darth Vader pulled it off. Uh, good
1: for him. The first movie I saw was Flash Gordon and then I think then I got on, that, I think that started me on my Star Wars binge because then I, then I started Empire and then Star Wars. And I but I like what Mike says not you know the bad guys do win but it's also like it is like its own like movie. It, like regardless of everything else that happens it's its own kind of like mini movie because like and there's so many kind of like key moments. There's the ads on Hoth. There's Yoda, there's Cloud City, there's Carbonite You know, I love you. I know there's in, you know, obviously the, I'm your father thing. There's so many classic moments in that movie. I don't, I'm not sure there's, there's that many classic moments in any other movie, honestly.
0: And you know, it's just, you have like trained filmmakers making it, you know, Irvin Kirshner wasn't a sci-fi director and you hire him to make this movie. And he's a character guy. He's, he focuses on dialogue and characters, And you have Peter Strzitsky, who's the DP on this movie, who uh, now works works on, like, all the David Cronenberg movies. Like, this guy is a brilliant cinematographer. And that's why it is, like, it, it, you know, the camera's constantly moving. Uh, I remember um, I interviewed Joe Johnston, like, eight, eight, nine years ago or something like that. And um, he gave me his email, and we were emailing about The Empire Strikes Back. And I remember asking him, like, you know, wh- why does this movie just look so different than, like, him in Return of the Jedi? And he said, Kirshner would not send Lucas a master cut. Basically, the, or master shot, I'm sorry. The, the shot, the wide shot of, like, everyone hanging out so he could just edit it the way he wanted it, uh, which which Marquand did on Return of the Jedi because you'll notice there's a lot of wide shots of just everyone hanging out. So Lucas could kind of put it together the way he wanted. Kirshner sent, here's the shot. We're chasing Han and Leia down a, down, down the hallway in, in in Echo Base on Hoth. Here's the shot. Here's the shot. So he just sent, like, his vision, not uh, these wide uh, uh, master shots that Lucas could put back together any way he wanted, which is why the style just looks so different than any other Star Wars movie. It is like an auteur made a Star Wars movie.
1: It's true, yeah. But it's interesting because, like, when the special editions came out, they still like monkeyed with it. And it was like, it didn't need to be monkeyed with, you know, there's it's almost perfect the way it is.
0: I wanted to know how Darth Vader got from Cloud City to his Star Destroyer. I just couldn't figure that out until the special <laughs> edition. Like, how does this guy who's got a fleet of starships get from Cloud City to his Star Destroyer? They don't show it. And then finally the special edition showed him. Saying I need my ship to get from Cloud City to a star destroyer, so that is filled in. You're right; it didn't need any any work done on it, but I feel like they had to do something to justify putting it back in theaters. Like, hey, a yeah.
1: couple of new scenes. Kelly, did you see the special edition first, or did you see the original theatrical first?
2: I believe what I watched first was the original theatricals, although we'll never know because they were taped off of cable, so they also could have been abridged. Um, because they were on cable they were definitely in full screen because that was the only way to watch them at home before they released the special editions in the late 90s so I don't it's it's been so long and then there's been so much monkeying with it then I saw them on VHSs and then we saw them on DVDs and then they came in streaming so I've never seen the original trilogy in a theater um, and I don't quite remember what I saw where and what's part of what edition because I've watched so many different formats at so many different parts of my life but I when I was little I liked Return of the Jedi the best and then I got older and I liked Empire Strikes Back the best which I think is a very familiar narrative because you know teddy bears are really iconic and alluring for small children who are scared of Darth Vader.
0: You know, the weird thing is, like, I think it was just because it was the first one I saw. Empire was always my favorite. But it was weird because that was not the popular view from, like, 1983 until maybe when the special editions came out, that started to change. Like, if, if you said Empire Strikes Back is my favorite in, like, 1990, people gave you, like, a weird look. Like, over the first one, over Return of the Jedi, and now it's, like, the consensus favorite. But that is something that's changed over time. That wasn't always the case. And I say that to people and people think I'm nuts. But for a, a while, it's like, oh, it's it's too depressing. There's not any, there's not a lot of aliens in it. And, and, and those were like the complaints. And now it's like people who watch it, I guess more as an adult go, oh, this is just the best filmmaking of, of at least those three movies.
2: Yeah. And I think also as I got older, I got more aware of like arcs of like trilogies um, which is like when you're a little kid it's like it's like the movie in front of you and it's really hard to think about the one before and the one coming after Um and I remember when I was when I saw The Lord of the Rings for the first time and I really really loved The Two Towers the best out of all of them and then also like around the same time decided I liked Empire Strikes Back the best I just it was when I started to be aware of how cool extended stories could be and trilogies could be and ending without a big thing of fireworks than dancing around a fire.
1: Well, it just, and it, the whole thing, you know, because I rewatched a little bit of it, you know, I had interviewed Mark Hamill for like, for a, a thing that's that should be on com right now. Um, You know, he's talked about these things for kind of like 40 years. So, I mean, a lot of the stories he's talked about before, but, you know, he talked about, you know, the the artificial snow of Hoth and like shooting in Fence and how, you know, kind of, the you know, blizzards and stuff. And, and I think that's kind of what that was the thing that I loved the most about that movie. What really kind of gripped me was like the opening, the opening, and like the all, just all this. It, it looks so crazy with all the snow and the, you know, the wampa attack scene and, you know, Luke almost buying it in like the first 10 minutes, if not for like tauntaun guts. And then from there, then move into like the adats, which is still like, my favorite Star Wars thing of all time. And I then something you call them the AdAts, thank you. Well, that's how, how AT Yeah. <laughs> exactly. I
2: hate anyone who calls them ATATs.
1: You know, I
0: actually looked this up because it's obviously like uh, people who are younger younger say ATAT and people who are older say adat because they're never mentioned in the movie. They're just called walkers. Um, I actually tried to figure out why we called it Adats, and it's because of the Kenner commercials for the toy. Because the commercial would come on like,
1: ah, the the
0: new Kenner Adat. at So that's where we got Adat. at
1: So I have to tell you, the best Christmas I ever had as a kid. And there was like a picture of this somewhere in my mom's house where I'm coming down sleepily. And my mom had gotten me that ad at and put it under the tree. Like, put it together and everything and put like, you know, like a Christmas bow on top of it. And it was like, it was the greatest Christmas of like all time because like, I had my Adat. at
0: that was very similar to my experience. It's pretty much the same thing. And I remember, I remember like a month later, I, I lived in this small town in Missouri, Eldon. Um, and, and the Eldon newspaper, for, I don't know why this was a story. It was kids and their favorite toy. And there's a picture of me in the Eldon newspaper. <laughs> it just says, uh, Michael Ryan and his favorite toy, the Adat. And I'm just sitting there like with my hand on it, like smiling. <laughs> Like what an original toy I had! This thing that every everyone my age owned. But I'm like, but I, that's my favorite. That was beautiful. I still have one.
1: And then from there, you got Yoda, and I think that's why when we get re- introduced to Yoda, it does it does so much more for that character. Than, I mean, obviously, when the prequels came back to him, we got to see him in in the Jedi Council, and then you know fighting Yoda, and you know even though he's like a couple hundred years old, he can still fight really well, and like a ninja. But I think, you know, so much was done with that character in Empire because, you know, he's introduced as just kind of like this wizened old little thing. Isn't like he like the, 800 still? He's like 800 still in Attack of the so. Yeah, because that's only like 20 years before. <laughs> he's <true>. like 780. <laughs> 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 that's true. But he's still more much more wizened when we meet him in Empire just because probably like, you know, the last 20 years and after Order, Order 66 and everything, you, you know, And sitting in a swamp. And it's like, that's like quarantine, you know? (laughs) I was
2: just thinking.
1: He's like, he hasn't really gotten his Jedi skills out in a while.
2: All the gyms are closed. When you're
0: 780 and you're that species, you're spry and young. But something between 780 and 800, you become elderly. (laughs) (laughs) What is it? Why is that? I don't know. Well, but Maybe 50, the I mean, Mandalorian will tell us.
1: Yeah, well, yeah, we we get Baby Yoda who's like, what is he, 50? 50,
2: he's like yeah, he's 50. So, yeah. who knows? I have a lot of math questions about that, though, because like, yeah, what, Baby Yoda's like a toddler in The Mandalorian, but then that would mean the first two years of your life were 50 and then Yoda was only 800. Like, it doesn't work. The math doesn't work. It bothers me.
1: Yeah, and I a, doubt they're going to get into that. Yeah, I know. <laughs> but speaking of the Mandalorian, I think we should probably also bring up Boba Fett, who we who we see in here for the first time. Um, he got his voice changed for the uh, actually not in the special edition. It was after the
0: prequels came out; they changed his voice. Right. Right.
2: Oh. And, oh, I never oh, even realized that.
0: Look it up on YouTube. He has a different voice in the um, in the original theatrical versions. It's much oh. more like lizardy. It's like. Uh, what if he doesn't survive? Something like that. Like, it's very like, it's a, it's very alienish.
1: It's not, mm-hmm. uh, Tamara Morrison. Well, and there's a whole other emperor in the original edition too. Yes. You know that they totally changed that. It's the bottom of a woman's face and, and monkey eyes. Like they use right. like a, a
0: monkey for the top half of the emperor's head. And then mm-hmm. it's, um, what's his name? Clive something. It's, uh, is the voice. So it's a whole different voice, too. And then, they, and then as Matt Singer uh, on Screen Crush pointed out, like it, it, like not pointed out, we all knew, but pointed out how, how dumb the changes that they made to the dialogue that the Emperor gives to Darth
1: Vader in the special edition. Yeah. yeah. It makes no sense. The original version was better with Boba Fett you know again that was another moment where it's just like you're looking up at, at when you when you first meet Boba Fett and all those bounty hunters you're looking up you know from from like the, the imperial little soldiers beneath them and like that you know Boska looks at that one guy like you know he's gonna eat him or something and that's such a great introduction to these like who are these guys where did they come from you know it just like again kind of it boggles the imagination to be fair, the guy that he gives the evil eye to just said, bounty hunters, we don't need their scum. Well, that's so it. So he, he <laughs> insulted that. them right
0: to their face.
1: <laughs> so I don't mind Boss giving him a side eye and a little <laughs> growl for that. I think that was deserved. But when Darth Vader says, like, no, no disintegrations, I was like, with just that one line, you know what they're going to do. They just like to disintegrate people, you know? Yes. There's so much character development in just, like, one line and, like, one scene to just... And with no other lines from any of these other guys. It just it says so much. You know what's what's
0: what's really remarkable to me about The Empire Strikes Back? And like, strangely enough, I'm not really a fan of The Rise of Skywalker. And I think that movie is just all plot. Like it is just like plot, 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 plot point, plot point, plot point. And it's just overwhelming. The Empire Strikes Back strangely doesn't have much of a plot, which I think is like what's great about it. Because it's just all character driven because we care so much about these characters and, like, really great scenes. But the plot is, uh, yeah, the rebels are hiding out and they, uh, they get attacked and all go separate ways. That's literally the plot of the movie. Like, they're not searching for anything. Luke, uh, Luke, Luke is told in the movie he has to go to Dagobah, but, like, Hanley and C-3PO and Chewbacca are just, like, trying to find somewhere to go to hide. That's literally the whole plot of the movie, which is, it, which is remarkable how, why we like it so much, because it, it really points to the acting the script and why we care and care about this movie so much i mean harrison ford is you know we make fun of like how he doesn't love playing han solo but he's like he is legitimately tremendous in this movie
2: well we talked about hoth brian talked about how cool that was as a setting but i also really always loved cloud city and i liked seeing like you know in um star wars or new hope whatever you want to call it Um, we hear a lot about Alderaan and we hear about how great it's supposed to be, but we never get to see it. And we see Tatooine and then we see space. And so it's really cool to see Cloud City and see what like sort of normal life is like, because every your experience of the characters is so heightened. We got a princess, uh, we got rebel scum um, and we got the empire. So I always really liked Cloud City. It also, it always felt like if I wanted to live somewhere, that's where I would go. I want to, I like literally, who, who doesn't want to just like go live in the clouds? That sounds really fun. And then you have the great carbonite scene, and they do a lot of great stuff with texture and color in the whole back half of the movie and setting up Cloud City and setting up the carbonite.
0: So if they open a gas mining facility that orbits Jupiter, that just hangs yeah. out at Jupiter, <laughs> you're in, you're, you're, I'm you're in. going. Okay. I mean, I'm actually with can you. I go I,
2: outside? I, can I hug my friends? <laughs> right. Anywhere where I could hug someone <laughs> who's not my husband or my dog, I'm in.
0: Yeah, I, I love Hoth, but Cloud City Bespin is is absolutely my favorite location in all of Star Wars. Um, just that it's this beautiful city, yet the most... And, and, it, and it's so different looking than anything else we see in any of the movies. Like, it's just... It, it, it looks... Like, I guess it has that art deco look to it, but it's yeah. also... It's also very foreign. It, it just, it just, I just think the design of it is incredible and it's beautiful and the most horrendous things possible happen there, which is yeah. also like, you know, we all talk about the, the freezing chamber scene, but the, the one we don't talk about enough is uh, when Han's just being tortured by the uh, a, 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 like the electric face machine, that, oh, yeah. that, that scene is, that scene is legit horrifying and like, and no one's better at, uh, screams of pain than Harrison Ford. Um, he does them very well in the Indiana Jones movies mm-hmm. as well. But like as as Vader and you know comes out and he starts talking to Lando and Boba Fett, and we still hear Han in the background just screaming at the top of his lungs. Horrifying, absolutely horrifying. I cannot believe that's in a Star Wars movie, but it adds so much weight to what the characters are going through.
1: Well, and that scene, those scenes specifically, until maybe the prequels tried to, but you really saw the corruptive force. Of the empire because, like you said, it's kind of like this utopian Art Deco place. You know, it's supposed to be kind of a utopia for people. You know, Lando's, you know, leading these people and everything. And then, you know, as soon as as soon as Vader shows up, all all, everything goes to because you've got betrayal. You've got. The torture you got people in carbonite we haven't even gotten into you know vader and luke and luke losing his hand getting the worst parental reveal of all time the whole end of that thing is one big loss for him
0: yeah you know i'm it's funny you mentioned lando i'm very pro lando i don't think he betrayed them at all everyone because everyone looks at it from like han han leia chewbacca and c3po's point of view of like oh we got betrayed you know lando's just trying to keep his city together and protect the people as the administrator of that city and then these criminals show up out of the blue oh hey man we need help imagine right now uh (laughs) someone wanted by the police show up at your house and just say i need to stay here is that cool but the police had already come and said hey this guy you barely know is gonna stop by your house uh we'll we'll take care of it but let, let him in and pretend you're friends with him and then we'll take care of business. Like, what are you going to do? Especially if you have a family, like, you're know, like, I don't want any part of this. And I think Lando did his best. And at the end, he does the right thing The like, ah, you know, this has gone too far. Promises weren't kept. I'm, I'm changing, changing the course of the way this is going to go. But I have no problem with what anything Lando did. I think he was just trying to help the people of his city, which is that's his job not to help these criminals showing up at his doorstep.
2: He has a moral code. And he feels like a real person, as opposed to some unnamed characters from unnamed movies who don't feel like real people, who make weird choices.
0: I love Lando. I think he did the right thing.
1: Well, Mark Hamill's talked about, like, in the original script, and that Vader-Luke duel, Vader's line was supposed to be, you know, no, Obi-Wan killed your father. That was supposed to be, that was was the... They said said that, too, so David Prowse didn't tell... The right. media what what what's going on right right so that was in the original script but that's when you know irvin kershner told told mark here's what's actually going to happen you know this is the truth of this movie looking back on all of cinema history at this point is that the greatest twist of all time probably
0: well what's great about it is as opposed to the new the, the sequel trilogy which spent way too much time on who Ray's parents are and aren't supposed to be and if she's a nobody, which I hate. You know, I, the whole argument is like, ah, oh, I'm a nobody. It's like, you already beat Kylo Ren in a lightsaber fight. You, that's pretty much somebody. Like, it doesn't matter who your parents are. And they spent so much time on this mystery of that and then ended it in such a goofy way because, and they always said like, you look just like the Empire Strikes Back. No, no one was worried about who Luke's parents were. because we, in the first one, it's Anakin Skywalker. They don't say his name to the third one, but we knew who Luke's dad was. He was Obi- He was Ben Kenobi's friend. And in the first script of Empire Strikes Back, it's still Anakin Skywalker and Darth Vader are still separate people. It wasn't until the second draft that Lucas decided, oh, I'm going to turn Darth Vader, this guy who was in the first movie for like ten minutes, I'm going to turn him into Luke's father. And, it, and it, it is a great twist. But the reason it's so good is no one was expecting it. No one was trying to figure this out because it wasn't presented as a mystery it was presented as well this is fact oh by the way we're changing the game here that's why it's so good no one no one before empire came out was like who's luke's dad we already knew the answer to that but they just changed it and it was great that makes sense
1: Mm -hmm. it does kelly what do you think
2: um yeah i think cinema wasn't like as twisty back then as it is now and like over its whole history. But in, and when I think about what, the only thing that comes close to that moment, for me at least, is the end of The Sixth Sense. And as you know, in subsequent M. Mike Shyamalan movies, when he tried to recreate a big twist, it didn't work because the goal was to create a big twist instead of letting it happen. So I 100% agree with you, Mike.
0: I guess the only mystery it, it kind of created was when Yoda talks about the other, but in reality, I think that was, you know, like there's, in reality that was put in there, like I, I believe the original idea was the other was gonna be the protagonist of seven, eight, and nine. And Mark Hamill in in that, uh in the making of Empire book, uh, uh, which I wrote about recently and I just love, um, Once Upon a Galaxy, he assumes it was so they could just get rid of him. Like, if they're like, this guy's too much trouble. We talked about another. Yeah, we're bringing the other in. Like, he thought it was just a way for, like, Lucasfilm to create an insurance policy on Mark Hamill. So I don't think it was put in there to, like, get people talking as much as it was just to, like, give them options.
1: So before we wrap up, what is everybody's favorite Empire moment? Kelly, you go
2: um for me it's i love you i know because that's become a thing with me and my husband so i like that the movie is romantic which we didn't even get a chance to talk about but it is it's the most romantic star wars film yeah
1: mike
0: um in general i love everything between han and leia when they're on the falcon especially all the stuff when they're in the uh the, the asteroid uh hiding i i just think like the dialogue just just controls everything in, in those scenes, and it's so good, and there's are such good actors. Uh, but I, I I, will go off the beaten path to say my, my favorite just one scene is when C-3PO runs into the other protocol droid and is like, oh, a familiar <laughs> face! And then the, the protocol droid says, Ichuta, how rude! Oh, I love that scene, it <laughs> makes me laugh every time. That's it, just Ichuta. The underrated droid of, of the Star Wars saga.
1: I mean, I think that's the the great thing about this movie is, like, the whole movie is just, like, one great moment in Star Wars history. It's just, like, everything about it is so great. So, um, happy 40th birthday, Empire Strikes Back. Thanks, Mike, for coming on again and being our favorite Star Wars guest of all time. Oh, yeah. Well, I'm sure sure there's going to be some other anniversary we'll talk about soon enough. Maybe the Mandalorian anniversary. It'll be a year soon. Yeah. (laughs) Before we know it, it really will be. Yeah. Yeah. All right, Mike. appreciate you coming on. Awesome. Thanks for having me. Okay, listeners, your turn. Are you going to stream Empire Strikes Back just for old time's sake? What's your favorite Star Wars movie? Let's talk about it on Twitter. You can find us at Mothership Pod, but you can also tweet us individually. I'm at Brian Truitt, and Kelly is at K-Laws, K-L-A-W-L-S. And don't forget, you can email us, too. We're at MothershipPod at usada.com but we're going to wrap up things here. Thank you so much for listening. Special thanks to our pilots slash producers of The Mothership this week, Shannon Green and Adley Boyd. If you like the podcast and don't want to miss an episode moving forward, you can subscribe for free on Apple Podcasts. And while you're there, how about leaving us a rating or review? It helps other people find the podcast. But if Apple Podcasts is not your jam, you can also find us on Spotify, Stitcher, pretty much everywhere you can listen to podcasts. Until next week, nerds out and may the force be with you.